Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. This is what it's all about, right? New life in Christ. We are dead to sin, but we have life that is abundant and full and rich in Christ. Well, let's pray together before Pastor Gabby comes up and brings the word to us. Heavenly Father, uh, we just want to praise your name and give you all glory and honor. You are the giver of all good things, and particularly as we have witnessed here this morning, the giver of new life life that is rooted and established in you, life that is uh, full of meaning and purpose, life that is full of the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would live this life fully for you, that others may see our lives and glorify you, that the joy that we have, may it be attractive to others, may May they give us the opportunity to share what you have done in our lives. Heavenly Father, I pray for us as a church body that we would be a body of encouragement to one another. Um, This life is not always easy, but we do have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can depend on. We have a family here that we can lean on that can encourage us in the way of truth. And I pray that you would help us to do that And help us to be bold outside of the walls of this church as well, to share the good news of the gospel. We ask your blessing today on Pastor Gabby as she brings your word to us. Give her wisdom, give her boldness to to preach what you have laid on her heart. May we hear these words, dear God, and know they are words from you. May we apply them to our lives so that we can be shaped and formed more and more into the likeness of Christ. We love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's been such a A good morning already. We do uh, bless our children and Pastor Amber and our TK volunteers as they go now to kids' worship. If you are a parent here with us for the first time and your kids are going for the first time with Pastor Amber, we do invite you also to follow them so that you can check them in and know where to pick them up after activities today. So we're going to jump right into the the reading of God's Word. And so if you would stand with me, Uh, we're going to read two passages um, one from uh, Romans and the other from Ephesians. So we're going to start with Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read just a few verses, uh, 9 through 11. Um, If you'll remember, we continue in this series that we have titled Fear the Grave. We are still in a season that the church calls Eastertide, right? We celebrate 40 days, or we prepare for Easter for 40 days in a season called Lent. Well, now we feast on Easter for 40 days in this season called Eastertide. So uh, we go to the word of God today. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. Since the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. And then if you'll flip over a few um, books to Ephesians, the letter of Paul to the Ephesians, just chapter one, we're gonna start with verse 17. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, 
you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places." far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Amen. You may be seated. As I mentioned, we are wrapping up our Easter series uh, that we've titled Fear the Grave. And I know at first that sounds like a little bit backwards. We shouldn't fear the grave, but what we're getting at is that we should actually approach the empty tomb of Jesus with this fear, this reverence, this awe, this wonder of all that was accomplished there. So we've taken the word fear and we've talked every Sunday uh, about a, a very special truth that Easter provides for us. And so uh, um, on Easter Sunday, we began talking about that, that faith, uh, that, that at the empty grave, that is where faith is forged. It is upon that truth that Jesus is alive that, that Christianity is founded upon. The, the following Sunday, we looked at the letter E, and we talked about how the empty grave reminds us that the enemy has been defeated, that the powers and principalities have been displayed, they, are, they have been exposed, and they have been put to shame through the power of Jesus Christ. Last Sunday, we talked about how uh, the empty grave reminds us that Jesus is Adam 2.0. Thank the Lord for that. And today, we arrive at the letter R, which stands for resurrection power. If the cross is the greatest display of God's love, then brothers and sisters, I'm telling you here today that the empty tomb provides the greatest manifestation of God's power on display. Have you, have you ever been around somebody that has forgotten who they are? Like perhaps they were in an accident or perhaps, perhaps somebody um, hit themselves on the head, and they have a little bit of, of temporary uh, memory loss. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Uh, there are several reasons that people can lose their, their memory for a bit, right? Um, sometimes it's medication. Sometimes, like I said, it's an accident. It can be a seizure even. But if you've been around somebody like that, it, it's really scary. It's really scary to, 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 to be around them, and they, and they don't understand their identity. They don't know who they are anymore. Uh, when I was much younger, uh, my brother-in-law um, had a very, very massive seizure. And so when we arrived uh, at the room uh, where he was in the hospital, we soon realized, my sister and I, that he, he didn't remember who we were. He had had uh, some short-term, temporary uh, memory loss, and he, he didn't remember who we were. And so he, he was a bit of a silly person anyway, and so under that circumstance, that, just, that was just even magnified. He was just so silly, right? He didn't know who we were. He didn't remember that he was married to my sister, and so he was acting really, really strange. And so the nurse comes in, and, um, and so she needs to, you know, unbutton his, his uh, 
you know, whatever he's wearing there at the hospital to put some things on his chest. And he's acting like real shy, you know, like, oh, no, I don't want these girls to see my chest. Or he's acting just so weird because he doesn't remember us. And he doesn't remember that he's married. He's been married to, to my sister for a long time. And so uh, after the nurse leaves... He, um, he, he needs to go to the restroom. And so my sister, of course, gets up and, and is trying to help him to the bathroom. And, and he's like, no, 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 you know, like, no, I don't know who you are. He, she doesn't, uh, he doesn't want my sister to, to, to look at him, right, in that situation. And so she's like, okay, she sits back down, right, and he, he gets up from the bed and he's like so concerned of like covering up his chest because she, she, he doesn't want her to, him to, her to see his chest. And he turns around, and it's just all completely exposed in the back, you know? And, yeah, that's exactly what my sister and I did in that circumstance. We, we just laughed, you know? Sometimes there are situations that it feels like I'm, I should be crying, but I'm just, I'm just going to laugh. But, you know, when people, when Christians have forgotten their identity, it really isn't a, a laughing matter. And Paul he, he is, is doing this thing in his theology of the resurrection. He, he's trying to help believers understand who they are in Christ. He, he's trying to help them understand who they were created to be, to embrace their full identity, to truly understand that they no longer live under the flesh. As we talked last Sunday, that they no longer live under the first Adam. To live under the first Adam, brothers and sisters, means that we live condemned. But to live under the second Adam, that, that means that we are redeemed. Allow me to digress for just a moment. Have, have you ever heard of the there are two kinds of people in the world jokes? Have you ever heard of those? There are two kinds of people in the world, those who follow the rules and those who make the rules. Right? There are two kinds of people in the world, those who are wise and those who are otherwise. There are three kinds of people in the world, those who know math and those who don't. <laughs> Nancy knows math. There are two kinds of people in the world, those who finish their sentences and those who... There are two kinds of people in the world, those who think that there are two kinds of people in the world and those who don't, and then many others who aren't sure what they believe. Paul, I believe, really understood that there were two types of people in the world, those that were living under the flesh, those that were living under the first Adam, and then those who were fully alive in the second Adam. We all began life in the first Adam. But to stay there, brothers and sisters, means that we stay enslaved, that we have no power, that we have no control, that we have no ability to really stand up against the sin that holds us. But if we have died to the first Adam, Paul says that we then are fully alive in Jesus Christ in the second Adam. And so then what is true of Jesus becomes true of us. However difficult that is to understand, that is the truth. And what is true of Jesus is that the glory of Easter day means that he is alive again forevermore with a life that death can no longer touch. Praise the Lord. And that is the truth for every believer as well. We have to remember who we are, our identity, so that we can walk accordingly. I'll share this illustration to see if it, it helps us. I want you to, to imagine that you have a landlord 
who is an awful landlord. He is a bully of sorts. Every time that you go to pay your monthly bill, he, he tells you that, no, there are several outstanding charges that you haven't paid for. And every month you pay for those outstanding charges. And the next month he, he says, no, you haven't paid them for six months. And he threatens to take you to court. And because he has a key to your house, he barges in at any time and, and intimidates you. He acts like you can never get out of this lease no matter what you do. You've looked everywhere and there's just, there are no housing options available. And so out of fear, you just give in to his demands time and again. The Apostle Paul is saying that is what it is to live enslaved under the first Adam. But now imagine that one day in a desperate, a desperate moment, you, you come across another landlord. A landlord that is kind and generous and, and a person of integrity. A, a landlord who, who tells you that, that he has a, an open house available and that, it, that, that if you're willing, he would even pay off your, your remaining fees with the previous landlord. And, and one day he comes to you and he has this paper that shows proof that your balance is paid in full. And so you jump on the offer. You move out of that old house and you move into this new house that is owned by this new uh, landowner. This, this new person that is acting so different and kind and generous and life there, it just, it's full of peace and serenity. But one day... The old landlord, he, he comes knocking on your door. And as soon as you open it up, even just a bit, he just crashes into to your house and he's pointing his finger in your face, talking about, you owe me money, saying, I'm going to take you to court. This isn't over. And in defeat, you sink down at the edge of your couch with your hands in your, ha your face, in your hands, saying, I, I, don't, I don't know what is happening. I don't know what to do. But in the confusion of that moment, you remember something. You remember something and you quickly get up from that couch and you go and you dig it out and you bring out this paper that shows that your debt has been paid in full. That this person has no claim on you. In fear, you, you wanted to react in the same way. But then you remembered that you were no longer his. The Apostle Paul is saying that is what it is to be a part of the new creation. We do not have to submit to the old way of living. This is so important for Paul to help us understand. He wants believers to understand their true identity. He doesn't just want us to understand the love that is available to us through the death of Jesus Christ. He also wants us to understand the power that is available to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so then that second passage that we read, the Ephesians passage, is Pastor Paul doing exactly this. Pastor Paul was talking to a young congregation. Many of those had not been eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, like us. 
We weren't eyewitnesses. We were not there. Many people were. But, but Paul is writing to a congregation that perhaps is a second generation follower of Jesus. Or just they just weren't there. They, they just didn't see Jesus alive after Easter. And so believers are struggling. That they're struggling trying to understand what it actually means that Jesus is alive. And so Pastor Paul prays over them, I do not cease to pray for, the, uh, for your eyes to be enlightened so that you may know the hope to which you have been called, that you may know the immeasurably great power which God exerted in rising Christ from the dead. Paul, Paul was doing something more, brothers and sisters, than simply just talking about the power of God. He's saying to these young believers, no, it's not just about talking at the, about the power of God. It's about fully understanding that this power lives within you, that you have access to the very same, incomparably great, immeasurably more, miraculous working power, the very same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul, Paul uses these words in Romans chapter 8, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living within you. As I was reading these words, as I was thinking and, and praying through this message, I, I, I almost had this image of, of Paul like putting down his quill as he's writing to this young church. And, and I, I imagine that, that he said, no, this, is, this isn't going to do. I, I imagine that, that Paul, perhaps, you know, like just in my own imagination, knocked on the door of a, of, of a believer in his congregation that was really struggling in the faith, really struggling to believe that this power was available to him. And I imagine that Paul said, come on, we're going on a trip, and that they start walking over to the empty tomb of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And that Paul says to this young believer, look inside. Take a, take a breath of that resurrection air. Remember what happened in the, empty, in the empty tomb. Remember what happened there. Remember what God did. Take stock of where you are. Breathe in Easter. And then go back to your Monday. Go back to your Tuesday. Go back to that difficult situation that you are living in. But don't forget what you experienced there. It's like Paul is saying to these young believers, copy and paste the power of Easter into your everyday life, into your everyday situation. Live in that way. Church, do we really believe really believe that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to us today? Do we, do we really believe that? Is that the reason why we get out of bed every morning? Because we believe that we are a part of the new creation and that God has given us everything that we need to be agents of the new creation in this world today. It's hard to believe that. It's easy to say it. It's hard to believe it because we weren't, we weren't eyewitnesses. We, we weren't there when it happened. 
This sermon series was inspired by John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20, we find the very first eyewitness of the resurrection. And her name was Mary Magdalene. And on Easter morning, we don't find her jumping out up and down in the air, glorifying God for the power that was exerted uh, through Jesus Christ that raised him from the dead. No, on Easter morning, we find her weeping. We find her in tears. We find her brokenhearted. And I love that image actually as somber as it looks. I, I love the image of Mary weeping outside of the tomb of Jesus. The reality that Jesus was alive was, was there. It was true. But her own reality clouded her vision from being able to see the immeasurably more, incomparably more miraculous working power of God. And I wonder, brothers and sisters, if this might be the image of the church today, that the reality of Jesus being alive actually does change everything, but, but we carry so much brokenness. And so Mary's tears, they become our tears. I wonder if anybody has cried bitter tears this week. I have. I can think of about eight families right now in our church that probably cried bitter tears this week. And I love that on Easter morning, God just lets the tears roll down. Tears have their natural flow. We just have to let them roll. I wonder if just for a moment, if you would imagine yourself outside of the empty tomb of Jesus, perhaps with your own bitter tears, perhaps bringing one of these families that you know that is hurting just right here outside of the empty tomb with you. Perhaps somebody you've, you work with, perhaps it's somebody you've seen on TV, perhaps it's the family of one of the victims of the newest mass shooting in our country. I don't know who you bring to the empty tomb today. But would you just stay here for a moment? It's a real thing. It's real pain. But when you're ready, when you're ready, I invite you to do the very thing that transformed Mary Magdalene. I invite you to stoop down low and to look inside, to look inside of the empty tomb, to breathe in the resurrection power of God, to say, Lord, I bring this broken, hurting family. I bring my own broken heart to you, God. Is there anything that you can do And when you enter the empty tomb, brothers and sisters, you're going to be surprised. Because what you find in there is not just power, it's a person. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit of the living God who will 
walk with us every moment of every day. The same God that gives us saving grace, sanctifying grace, gives us sustaining grace for every and any situation. We will experience that God is alive. We will experience that Holy Spirit that has sealed us, that is with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that promises that never, not even for a moment, do we have to face life alone. This power of God, this Spirit of God lives within us. And so I have news for us, church. We don't have to walk around defeated with our head down, with our shoulders shrugged. We, we don't have to look like this defeated, retreating church that can't do anything, that society around us is changing, and, and we're, we don't know what to do. No, we are agents of the new creation with the power of the Holy Spirit vested, sealed inside of us. But the tears, they're real. And the pain is too. And sometimes those things, they threaten. They threaten to make us forget. Sometimes they cause selective memory loss in our spiritual lives. And so for that reason, we have to keep going back to the empty tomb. For that reason, each and every day, we have to go in and Take a breath of resurrection power so that then after we go in for the resurrection power, then we can go in and have the difficult conversation with the boss. After we've breathed in resurrection power, then we can go and have that difficult conversation with our spouse or with our adult children. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do things in this life. I get that it's hard. I've been in situations that have been hard. But resurrection power is available to us even when life is unfair and hard. Even when there are things like cancer and war and injustice that still threaten our lives and our realities. So I, I believe that this prayer of Paul is such an appropriate prayer for us this morning. Lord, open the eyes of my heart so that I can see the power that is available to me in the here and now. Lord, help me, because I've been living a different narrative, and that narrative is shaping my life. That narrative has me retreating and defeated and powerless. And yet, like for Mary, Jesus, you are here fully alive. Arisen Jesus meets Mary in her deepest moment of grief. And that is what the risen Savior does for each and every one of us today. And let me tell you that, that the miracle of Jesus raising from the dead was not the only miracle that was experienced at the, empty tomb, at, the, at the tomb that day. There was another miracle that was experienced. Mary came with all of these broken dreams and with all of these expectations, and her expectations revolved around, I just want life to go back to what it used to be. And, and, I, and I think that's fair, right? Most of us would say, I, I, just, I just want life to go 
back to the way it used to be, right? Like church how it used to be. Let's go back to, to another time in society, right? Like we, we long for those things. But here's the miracle that occurred in Mary Magdalene. She had these expectations and then she has this brief conversation with Jesus. And Jesus says to her, Mary, stop clinging. Stop clinging to the way that things were because this resurrection power, Mary, it's not primarily to, to make your life more comfortable. That this resurrection power, Mary, it's not just about making your life more convenient, Mary. No, Mary, this resurrection power is, is so that you can go and tell others that Jesus is alive and that message, it will change the world. A transformation happened in the heart of Mary. There is transformation power at the empty tomb of Jesus. Because we'll come in and we'll say, God, like, uh, I need you to change that husband of mine. Like, show him some way that he's wrong and that I'm right. And then God said, oh, 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 I see, I see. You're asking me to change your heart and your attitude because it's crummy. God, I really need you to move that coworker to a different department because they are trouble. And God said, oh, yes, yes. You want me to fill you with agape love so that you can see them the way that I see them. We, we have to understand that when we come to the empty tomb, there is transformation possible, but that transformation primarily begins with us. And when we surrender to that, brothers and sisters, then we're walking miracles. We, we get home from work and we talk to our spouse or to, we call a friend and we say, listen, I was part of a miracle today. And they're going to say, well, what do you mean? Did your lunch multiply? Did water turn into wine for you? Did the highway just miraculously open when everybody else was in a traffic jam? What are you talking about? No, it's, it's greater than that. Listen, I was at work and a coworker said something to me that I was two seconds away from saying something in that conversation that was going to ignite a fire. But then I remembered that I could quickly run to the empty tomb of Jesus and breathe in some resurrection power. And then when I opened my mouth, I said, could we maybe discuss this tomorrow? And then your spouse and your friend, they're going to say, what? And that was a miracle? And you're going to say, can you remember the last time that I held my tongue? Can you remember the last time that I didn't square up for a fight? Can you remember the last time that I let the Lord do something in me? It is a miracle. We have to understand that the primary power of the risen Savior is for transformation, but it's not just to remain there. Jesus tells Mary, go and tell the others. This power, this resurrection power is available for us to, to go and be witnesses to others of what God has done in us. Jesus is saying this is the only way that it can be done is if I give you my power so that you can go and be a witness. So I, I'm, I'm challenging, challenging you, church. I'm challenging you today 
If you want to truly live in the resurrection power of Jesus, don't start with a selfish thing. Don't say, God, I really want a parking spot right there in front of the office. Don't start with a selfish thing. Say, God, would you bring somebody new into my life? Would you bring somebody into my life that that I can walk alongside, that I can live faithfully before them, that that I can win them to you? God, could you bring somebody into my life that I can be a living testimony that you are living and active in this world today? Can you give me resurrection power, God, so that I can witness about you? Wouldn't it be a miracle for many of us to actually open our mouth to witness to somebody else? Wouldn't that take miracle working power, resurrection power? But if we begin to pray in that way, I really believe that God will do that. As the worship team comes up, I want to invite you today to respond to the Lord. Perhaps some of you are are here this morning and you're saying like, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Gabby, because I've never experienced a miracle in my life. I've never experienced the resurrection power of Jesus in my life. And if if that is you, and if you are sincerely seeking, I want to tell you I have great news for you. The risen Savior is here. The Word of God says that where two or three gather in his name, there he is among them. And we have gathered here in the name of Jesus this morning. And Jesus, the risen Savior, is in our midst And like to Mary, he calls out your name. If you are here today and you have not experienced the living power of God living within you that is transforming you, that is helping you, that is sustaining you, that is giving you power beyond yourself, I would invite you this morning, would you you accept the invitation of the good landlord? Would you invite... Would you, would you be willing to receive his invite and move out of the, under the power and authority of, of the landlord that is only there to oppress and to enslave you? If you would be willing to do that, you can come to the altar and I'll pray with you. Or you can pray at your seat. But that is the greatest miracle that still takes place today and the greatest miracle that Jesus loved to do more than turning water into wine, more than walking on water. Jesus loved to transform a heart, to give hope where people were hopeless. And if you feel in your heart that something is calling you, don't, don't stay in your seat. Don't, don't keep it hidden. Jesus is here. And he wants to meet with you. But I, I also believe that there are many in the house today that perhaps have done that when they were children. But it's been forever long since they felt the Spirit again in their life, since they felt an impartation of the Spirit of God. And today I want to extend an invitation to you. If you feel like your bones are dry, if you feel like your cup is empty, if you need the Holy Spirit to just allow you to breathe in resurrection power again, if you're ready to surrender fully, 
fully to the second landlord, to the good landlord and say, I trust you. I'm no longer just weary of you or leery of you or, or just expecting for the other shoe to fall. No, I trust you. And I am all in. Listen, use me to go help others who are still stuck in those situations for which I, in which I was stuck in. Would you, would you take my life and do whatever it is that you want to do? Whatever you need today, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit is here. Let us invite him. Let us, let us trust that God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Let us respond to God's words.